That's it. Okay, should we start then? Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Lee-Delard. Today, I'm joined yet again by the wonderful Stacey Mulcahy. Welcome, Stacey. Yay. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know, it's always a pleasure, really. And seeing as you didn't really hardly get a word in Edgeways last time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry because I was sick, so I couldn't come and uh, and interject. So there's loads of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. So that's great. Um, just before we do that, quick, I have to do all the official stuff. I get it. It's better. Than, it's better than an advert, though, right? We don't have sponsors. No, it's, uh, I think it's great. So we just have to do Patreon instead. So we're looking for support on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash creative coding yeah just to make this podcast a bit more sustainable we've almost raised enough money for our microphones now so that's uh (laughs) no 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 i'm very very grateful to everyone that supported us it's absolutely brilliant um you can find us on twitter cc underscore pod uh i'm on twitter seb underscore ly stacy you're yeah i'm bet you codes on twitter there you go nice and easy um (laughs) All right. So, um, well, there's a few things I thought we could talk about today. Uh, there was obviously the, the build conference last week, which mm, you were at. This, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, uh, I'm at it right now in San Francisco. And so. No, no, you uh, were there last week. Oh Stacey. yes. I was there last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the magic is written. Okay. So we're recording this the week before it's going out. Okay. Let's, uh, let's just get that out of the way. All right, so we're pretending it's last week, but actually it's like right now. You know that time travel is very, very confusing to me. Yeah, me Uh, too. You're in San Francisco right now. Yeah, I am. And and how Um, how was the conference? It was good. It was a lot of stuff announced, really, really busy. It was crazy. Uh, On the exhibition floor, they have a HoloLens area and they did it up just like you would imagine, kind of like like a big movie or even car show. Like it's crazy. It was like enclosed and designed to the T. Like and people were lined up waiting to go through this kind of exhibition that they had where they could actually try out one of the premier experiences. And so that was really interesting because every time I would walk down, there'd just be this crazy line. And I was was like, what's going on here? And then you'd see that. And it was really cool how they went about announcing it. And then they had another area where, you know, you could do like a photo booth with it and, you know, start developing that kind of thing. So it was cool. You've presumably used HoloLens before. Mm -hmm. Let's just rewind. And and what is it? It's um, what? Let's, Let's rewind that all together. Not entirely like hugely familiar with it because yeah. like anything else it's locked down right yeah. um so and, yeah i'm yeah and microsoft is big as well right so it's not like you probably even know people on that but it, it's an augmented reality headset isn't it yeah so you have these lenses are and it's unlike vr you actually see the real world but it's sort of how does it work it projects onto yeah I mean, prisms is it like google glass uh i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't make the comparison there oh no of course couple- you wouldn't <laughs> I'm sure well, Microsoft I mean, like, PR are very keen not to make that comparison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things that, well, even even at the end of the day, it's one of those things that's such on lockdown that they're like, don't even talk about it. What's common knowledge then? Augmented, yes. Any of the experiences that you're creating can be projected. You have 3D spatial sound. So, um, you, you know, you can start to make experiences with that as well in play. You know, everyone fits it into the VR landscape because I think the, the line between VR and, and AR is getting quite blurred. And, I, yeah. you know, all the devices in that sense is going that route. So, yeah, mm. not a very good description, but, you know. 
there you go. It's pretty good. (laughs) Do you know how any of the the stuff works? I mean, is that all secret? The most that I've ever even heard is, you know, it's a mixture of technologies. (laughs) And it it is. And it is when you get to actually put on a a device and you start to realize that it is different. Like it's not um, it's not what you're used to being in an enclosed environment or any of those kind of things. So it definitely does have that feeling of like, okay, there's a bunch of things going on here. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know the entire breakdown for it. I saw someone from BBC Click was trying it out and walking around on Mars. Mm. Did you try that demo? And um, he was saying that it's kind of a slightly narrower field than some of the VR headsets. And, and I, I sort of felt like it was a bit unfair to compare it to VR because it's such a different thing and you just it's not going to be able to compete with the vr headsets is it It does something slightly different it's yeah it's a totally different experience i mean you know you're not putting on something and closing yourself and then kind of doing that whole like you know i'm in a world looking around and not engaging with other people i mean it's definitely one of those things where you put on like you can look around you can see other things that are going on you know you can you might have something you know projected here but you know you can be doing other things and so for me that's a really compelling experience because i don't know how you feel about vr sets but as soon as I put on one of those like headsets and like I'm enclosed, I feel like, oh, no, like I don't know what's going on here. I don't I don't enjoy it that much personally. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. And I think the technology is interesting. But I find that a lot of those experiences, uh, they leave me feeling like I don't know what the word is, but I mean, it's I feel just, a, it's bit, like, um, a, a bit embarrassed or actually I feel a bit sick. I feel a bit claustrophobic. Right. Exactly. And, and also like a very alone, yeah. you know, like in one, in one, like when you think about even what we're doing now or even on the computer, like it's open, you know what I mean? Like you're not in an enclosed environment mm. and, and forced to experience it in that way. And so that's, I think one of the really cool things about some of the new devices coming along the lines is, you know, they're actually thinking about these experiences in that way. And the HoloLens is released to developers now, is that? Yeah, you can sign up. You can do like, you know, development without the device, uh, you know, through just like anyone, any other kind of device. And then you can, um, yeah, you can sign up and they've opened it up now. So, and people were waiting for that for a while because they put out like a call for kind of like grants for people doing interesting things mm. or interesting proposals for it, which I thought was kind of really cool. And it's funny, someone that we knew, um, Colin Levin, he, he got a grant, mm. Carnegie Mellon. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. Someone I know actually went through that process and is, you know, building something really cool. Oh, he's great at doing the new stuff, isn't he? Him and his team are doing something with like a robotic arm. Well, of course they are. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what else are you going to get? You're going to get a robotic arm. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it strikes me that it's it's still early, isn't it, for that technology? It, it seems kind of bulky and clunky, but I think the potential. They did a, a demo with Skype having sort of virtual telepresence. I think that's really powerful. When it was first released, I think people really thought about it in terms of like game dev. Yeah. Like they're merely like, oh, it's about game dev. And then when you start to realize that like that's not what they're aiming towards, mm. you know, um, and, and the possibility for other experiences that might be more meaningful, I think that becomes really interesting at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, the demo they did was like a floating head and hand, which was kind of weird. <laughs> Disembodied. A bit, a bit creepy. And so um, yeah. <laughs> I thought tonally some of that keynote was uh, interesting. You know, the guys there that were in their VR, in their HoloLenses, they just had this sort of grin yeah. on their face. And it was, yeah. I bet the director was saying to them, okay, so you just, you want to look into it, right? But not too enthusiastic. And they're like, yeah, look, look, I'm in the space. I'm in space. And he's like, okay, just tone it down a, a few notches. It's like, okay, wow. 
Wow, look where I am. Okay, just turn it down a few. Oh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you you imagine this whole like little earbud feeding yeah. them directions. Like, oh, smile. No, no, too big. Less dorky. Oh, no. Less dorky. <laughs> yeah. Less dorky. No, less. Yeah. Do- oh, whatever. <laughs> look pleased. <laughs> yeah. I found it a bit of an effort to get through the keynote. I mean, I suppose keynotes are somewhat dry aren't they yeah i mean i think i mean even even apple ones which are supposed to be the best aren't they even those can be a bit boring but this was like a powerpoint (laughs) Um, obviously you can't comment because you know well no but it's like well you know you you did pick the right technology (laughs) you know like it was was like i really want to i really want to know about this technology but i'm finding it really hard to concentrate (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Oh. And it's it's in some ways it was bits and pieces from all over as well. So yeah. it was to me keynotes are hard, anyways. I only enjoy them when I can comment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I presume you were biting your tongue through this. <laughs> you probably had someone from Microsoft PR there just to make sure you didn't say anything wrong. Right? Oh, no, do you, do no. you have a minder? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please do not give them ideas. <laughs> I, think that, I think they need to get on that. <laughs> No. It's not like the old days when we used to tweet about the Adobe keynotes, is it? Oh, yeah, but that was funny and fun because we weren't like, I don't think we were collectively like getting down on them. We were just like, look at this guy, like, you know, or look at this person. Or they're so happy. Like, we just, I don't know. I liked yeah, they, it. I always looked forward to the keynotes for Adobe. Oh, just some of them were so painful, though. I mean, it was sort of like the opposite of Microsoft. It's like, Microsoft's too far in the serious end and Adobe were too far in the stupid end, right? It's like <laughs> trying so hard <laughs> to be entertaining and it's just like a load of business execs, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you seen a keynote that you think is like really awesome? Because I don't know if I like have seen something that I think is like that mixture of super entertaining, super engaging all the way through because there's always just certain things that I'm looking forward to hear, or I want to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything that I've I mean, seen I think, where I've I think seen. Apple sometimes come close. I think often they're too long. Yeah. And often they get rather excited about things that I'm not very excited about, like the Apple keynote last week. Oh, yeah. And it was like they'd clap the weirdest things. <laughs> like the audience would just clap at seemingly random times. I think they're probably the closest if there is. Yeah. You know, whereas Adobe is sort of way on the stupid scale and Microsoft are way on the serious scale and in the middle, maybe Apple just yeah. kind of slide up and down that scale a bit sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Like Apple Music, that was a that was a low point, wasn't it? Oh. That was that was quite far on the stupid scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh I feel like you need to have some commentary over keynotes. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> it, it, but you're right though, it is a really difficult things to do isn't it yeah i remember though on the microsoft one there was like a, it was it seemed like quite emotional at times like i don't really know why but in the handover between speakers like it was a proper bro hug at one point oh yeah and it, i thought they were gonna cry <laughs> i think i know what you're talking about and there's also like the other thing that um that i find that we we're doing fairly like i think we're doing it fairly well is we're telling these stories that are really meaningful about not just like technology but like we we think about technology and consuming it every day but actually how does technology truly enable someone and so they had that story about one of uh the you know the developers um you know and how technology enabled his life and, and you know and all that you know accessibility and everything else mm. and 
I'm just like, Whoa, oh, my cold, cold heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's being warmed up, you know, and people are tearing up and you're like, that's when you know the stuff is meaningful. And I actually think that we're doing a much better job of telling those stories than I've ever seen. The blind guy in London was particularly cool, wasn't it? And and I think yeah. technology's really getting to that stage now where it's just, I mean, he's obviously of that generation where it was starting to bear fruit you know Mm -hmm. throughout his early life and and, you know with screen readers and things like that but it really is exploding isn't it particularly with the image recognition stuff oh yeah and machine learning i mean that's some that's pretty powerful yeah i mean that's insane but that was that story i was like oh everyone should everyone should see that story anything else that build that particularly excited you the whole announcement of bash on windows one of the reasons I'm on a Mac, you know, for me is is kind of awesome because I've been thinking a lot about, <laughs> frankly, but like I'm going to buy a new computer. What am I going to get? And for the first time in a long time, I've been like, oh, am I going to buy a Mac? Am I going to buy, you know, a PC? What am I going to get? And so I, for me, that's I thought that was a pretty significant announcement. Um, yeah, everyone seemed very excited about that. I don't fully understand how it works. I mean, it's like a Linux command line running in, in Windows. And I, and you sort of think about how that works on OS ten on a Mac is that, I mean, the whole system is built on Linux, right? So it seems like that's just a command line interface for the OS as it is. But presumably Windows isn't built on Linux, is it? So <laughs> or, is this like just an app that's running or so I don't, how does that work? So, I mean, that, it must be some sort of bridge between DOS and what? I, yeah, exactly. I don't know exactly the underpinnings of it. I know Scott yeah. Hanselman had had a good blog post about it. The thing that I would have thought was was like, oh, it's like a VM, right? Like it's just mm. you're running it like in that kind of scenario, but it's not like that at all. So it was actually really interesting because you know just even watching a demo on it, take it over, and you start doing your typical thing. So like you know, list out the list out all the files. You know, start uh, anything that you want to do. Look at Ruby, etc. And just like wow, it's just. It's not like a, a delay or any of those kind of things. Sometimes it, you feel like when you get, um, at least that for me, mm. back in the day, when you get in a VM and stuff like that. So I don't know the underpinnings, but it's definitely not like it's it's significant, like what they did and how they got it to to work. But I think I think Scott Hanselman might have outlined uh, that, and if not, I'm I'm sure that uh, oh. there will be a lot of information on it. Do I have to read something now? You might. Well, oh. no. <laughs> All right, I'll read it and then I'll update you in a future podcast. <laughs> Thanks. Now I've got homework. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so do I. I couldn't tell you. I know, so I have to I do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I get, I'm interested to know whether there'll be any cracks appearing in, in that implementation. I'm s- skeptical at this stage, but, you know. I'm, uh, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy. Sure. It's like, for me, that's like a big thing. Yeah, I was happy. Sure. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the Open Frameworks mm-hmm. uh, documentation phase. I noticed that you went to that. That was a few weeks ago now, I guess. Yeah. What, what was that all about? Can you explain? Yeah. So um, Open Frameworks, the toolkit that has been around for quite a while. Yeah, I can't it, remember it, when we talked about it on the show last, but I've probably talked about it quite a bit. Obviously, use it quite a lot. It's what Pixel Pyros and all my laser control code is built on C++ yeah. framework, I suppose, yeah. for creative applications, cross-platform. Yeah, I think it's like um, when you hear them, hear a couple of the major contributors there, it's a, it's a, a artistic uh, toolkit um, yeah. often is described. But um, 
so what happened with Open Frameworks is that um, Open Frameworks, is, as you know, uh, is a great, amazing tool, super powerful, lots of stuff that you can do, uh, lots of con- you know, community contribution, right? And, and that's what really drives Open Frameworks is community. And so, um, you know, they really want to kind of keep things uh, going and up to date and keeping the momentum with it. But one of the major things that they had problems with was the the documentation and everyone saw it as a problem but you know you can't just especially when you have such a large collection of uh, contributors you can't just like say well we're going to do this and then people do their little pieces it's got to be an organized effort right and you got to template all that stuff out and so what they did is they basically decided to do like a contributor summit and they brought in uh, a bunch of people they got some of it sponsored so they had definitely like um you know it was a like half women half men some experts, some beginners. It was really interesting. And then they also had people online uh, working as well. And so what, the whole goal of um, being together for, I think it was like three full days, was to get the documentation up to par, make sure the examples are good, create new examples if needed, um, you know, all the way to the low level, like low level functions, all the way to what you might get as a user, even to the website and building out examples. And they released, they're working on a book and they're like trying to finish that. And, and it was just a big, um, people just going like you've never seen, like just doing this stuff for, for three days. And so I was actually at like a learning summit for teaching artists, teaching code at the school for poetic computation with Zach Lieberman. That's in Brooklyn, isn't it? It's in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. But it's like that whole kind of crew is, you know, in that mm. kind of area. And they had invited me, you know, like, Hey, would you like to come and do this? And I was like, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Like, I love what you guys do. I love everyone who uses it. I love all the projects. I've probably used it twice, three times, you know, in the last two years. Right. Yeah. I mean, I played, I played with it quite a bit like years ago, but not recently. And so I was like, Oh no, I don't know if I can help you. And they're like, no, that'd be perfect. And so mm. I went and mm. we worked through Git and we had strategies for how we could all contribute and who was doing what and, you know, people were organizing it. And so I just went through and I was, you know, creating examples, documenting examples, all the rest of it. And so for me, it was um, really awesome to be part of this community that's like so passionate about it. But it's also like, like, what better way to like, get up to speed? Mm. You know, like, I'm reading the documentation or the lack of or explaining line by line, like what better way to learn. So that was pretty crazy. Um, And then they uh, a bunch of people at the end of the day, like there was one day where everyone's like, hey, a lot of us don't necessarily know each other. Why don't we talk about like what we do, you know? And so it was kind of nice because we had like a little mini session at the end of the night where, um, you know, people were like, uh, they had to show three pictures and it's basically like projects they'd worked on or things they had done. And so you got to see like just the amazing amount of talent that was in this room that really, really covered all facets of code and arts, actually. Like it was crazy. And you kind of just sat around and was like, holy crap, I'm I'm part of this. This is weird. But that community, like uh, we've been part of communities for a long time. And, you know, you you develop friendships, you develop, um, you know, this immense respect for what people are doing and, and you can learn from them. And I think it's just so important to give back. And that community is just, they're so nice. Like they're just like so gracious and so humble. And they just like, you know, we, st- we had conversations about everything across the board in three days too. So it was people talking about like, how do you get paid for your work? Do you do conferences? You know, like all this crazy kind of like, mm 
conversations that cover the gamut while we're doing all this stuff. So I don't know if anyone ever gets a chance to contribute in that way. I would, I would recommend it. I mean, I've got to know a lot of those people through, you know, the IO festival and my trips to America, but I must admit that now I'm not going to America anymore for all the boring reasons outlined in a previous episode. I, I feel a little bit isolated from that community and I know that they're on the internet, but I don't quite know how to get to them. You know, it's, I guess I've got some personal, personal friendships and that's really helped me mm-hmm. to use mm-hmm. open frameworks at all, you know, but I, I could be just totally wrong and I could be like mm-hmm. just missing something in Europe, but I, it seems to be quite US centric. You know, and the interesting thing at the summit is that it wasn't, we had people, yeah. we had someone from Germany, like we had people from all over and it was kind of interesting in that way um and then we had yeah, people but they online all had to go to america all oh, right so there's some people all around the world there was there was people online so mm. there was like um you know a bunch of people online from different places too so there is that um the one thing that i think is interesting is uh like zach lieberman who you know has been doing office hours yeah. for example and i think that's really cool because you know at any point in time you can just connect with him and ask him any questions you want about whatever, you know, you know, it's conversations I, I, I understand run the gamut. So I think that those are kind of neat ways that people are kind of like opening themselves up yeah. to community and conversations. That sounds yeah. great. And certainly this documentation phase just sounds brilliant. Like particularly that there was such a wide diverse group there in terms of, you know, not just gender diversity, race, but also abilities, right? And and I think mm-hmm. actually it needs people who are new to it and particularly someone like you is obviously technically savvy. You know, I think someone who is less technical than you might not know which questions to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just the right amount of technical to know what was missing, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, it was kind of funny because I remember we had a list of examples and I was just, I'll go the bottom up, you know, and you go top down kind of thing so that we meet in the middle and we're done. And some of the, the bottom up ones are like harder. Um, and so I was just like, wow, okay, well, a shader is a shader is a shader. Like, you know, like, okay, I can I can do this and like figuring out some of those things and then, yeah, being able to like, look through this, know how to look it up or when to look it up or those kind of things was, I think, pretty handy. But, you know, I, I think across the board, just having such a like organized effort, it, like it makes me want to contribute. Like it, there's a whole template for how you can contribute now in terms of examples and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to, you know, continue to like plug away a little bit here and there as I can because of that experience and for me, contributing back in that way was super meaningful. And I don't know if it's something I've really actively done before, you know, like, yeah, I put stuff up on GitHub or I write code for people or, you know, things like that. But I don't think I've actively done something quite like that. So for me, that was super rewarding. Yeah, I know there's a lot more that I could be doing for that project. I still not 100% sure how things work you know it's bizarre because obviously I've been working in it for quite a few years now yeah but I still don't quite I, I'd still lack confidence somehow it's, it's great though the documentation phase I think particularly just because it's such a complex beast isn't it and I think even if it was just you know how to work with mm-hmm. open frameworks on mac os x mm-hmm. that would be that would be quite a big project right but the fact of all the different platforms yep. and not even just the different platforms, but the different development environments and all of them have their own quirks and irritations. But, you know, actually, I'm interested. What did, did you do it on a Mac or 
on Windows or brought a Mac. Um, I, I took it as an opportunity to. I don't open up Xcode that often. Yeah. Um, so I took it as an opportunity to get familiar again with Xcode, and um, you know, I took it from that perspective. But there was, I mean, there was, uh, you know, people running pretty much everything there. And uh, again, when we were doing the examples. Some of them are on Android. Some of them are on iOS. Some of them are this. Some of them are that. And we had to like. You know, figure it out. But yeah, I, wor- I worked on a Mac when I did it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've only used it on Xcode. Well, I'd be really interested to get it running on some other stuff. Yeah, you know, we've we've used it before, or like at least a couple of times internally, just like you know, Visual Studio, and it's fine. But that whole, you know, even even back a couple of years when you had to start with it, it was much more difficult to get it to like compile and run and work and all that kind of stuff than it is now. Yeah. Now it's like yeah, it's getting smoothed over, isn't it? Oh, they've done a lot of work. I mean, at least to the last yeah. time that I I tried it, so I was like, "This is a very nice experience now." <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, oh, that's that's really good. Yeah. Have you tried it on Raspberry Pi? Mm-hmm. Yep. They've got that running, haven't they? I think so. I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I don't know how. <laughs> what else have you been doing? <sighs> Trying to get back into making some stupid stuff this month, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, electronic stuff? Yeah, like, wearables. I'm going to explore more of the, like, what's available there and that kind of thing. So I'm building some few dumb examples of dumb things because I like useless stuff. <laughs> I, love, I like stuff. Anything you want to share? <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean... You did the laser... I remember the laser kittens. Yeah, I'm... So I'm is, that, is that an ongoing project? No. I mean, it really should be. <laughs> I mean, it's kittens and lasers. Hello. Um, so you got um, one of these weird, creepy stuffed kitten toys. Oh yeah, that that one was like yeah, that was a, a friend of mine um, and I. So it's Dave Scheinkoff. We had this idea for uh, for well, it started off one way and then it went a whole nother. It was really funny, <laughs> um, but we were like, oh, let's see if we can build like kind of like a remote control thing that controls uh, you know something on your screen and. He's a hardware guy. I'm a software guy and or girl, whatever, software person. And uh, so he's like, well, can you do like how easy to do that? And I was like, oh, yeah, we can just build like a Node Express app and it'll do all the stuff. And so then, yeah, yeah. we yeah, at, that, at some point we went shopping for um, a cat online. And I was like, well, it'd be awesome if you had a big cat. And we found like a small, tiny little one and really tiny, like the size of a mouse, which is even funnier. <laughs> so you basically replace a mouse with a cat um, and threw in some conductive thread and some LEDs. And, you know, you could now peruse the Internet of cats uh, with a cat. So it was LEDs and not actual lasers. No lasers. No, I mean, that's great disappointment. Phase two, you know, phase two. You know, I've got I've got a load of little lasers. I can I can send you. I, w- I would put them in. <laughs> yeah, they're actually um, you can get them very cheaply. They're just this tiny little red laser pointer oh, diode. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think I got 10 for a quid or something ridiculous. That's cheap. Um, yeah. And so I've got quite a few of those. <laughs> oh, my God. We, um, um, but, a bit dangerous, you know, a bit blindy. You got to be a bit careful. A bit blindy. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Just a bit blindy. Just a bit. Well, you know, I did a laser safety training course yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, and so we learned all about how to damage your retinas. And the reason why, you know, the laser pointers tried to be less than 
uh, five milliwatts, I think it is, Mm -hmm. is because at five milliwatts, uh, it will damage your retina in a quarter of a second. Mm -hmm. And um, most people have a blink reflex of a quarter of a second. Oh, wow. Uh, Some people don't. Yeah. So (laughs) you're still gambling a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But most people have a blink reflex of 250 milliseconds. Oh, my God. So a laser pointer going into your face would probably be okay. But I I still don't really want to do it. I had to do like similar training um, for the laser cutter. Mm. Um, And so uh, we have like a big garage area at Microsoft in Seattle and there's other chapters around the world, but they have like a really big kind of section, like a makerspace setup. And so they have a laser cutter. And so you need to go through this training and it's just, the training's kind of funny. I mean, it's serious, but it's kind of funny in that way. Cause it's just like, you know, like don't stare. And it's like this photo of someone like staring, you know, and it's like a big X through it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, laser cuts are, are quite interesting, aren't they? Um, I've I've looked into them a bit and I was really paranoid about using one because you can, it does really, it's really like bright, isn't it? Yeah. You can, it really sort of gives you a bit of um, retinal burn. But actually, I think the, the cutting laser, obviously the cutting laser is invisible, yeah. right, for starters, which is doubly exciting, right? <laughs> <laughs> but actually it's, um, it's got a real divergent uh, focus, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, focused in on a particular distance so actually if it bounces out and hits you in the face by that point it'd be so divergent you're probably all right yeah and it's just that that process of like just understanding like what just understanding the power of what is going on is i think super important um so you know you you watch what you're cutting but you don't watch what you're cutting (laughs) (laughs) you can't stop watching it though can you no it's fascinating you just can't you're just like i i film it all the time because i'm like oh this is awesome. Instagram. Yeah, totally. Look, Insta laser. Look what I'm doing. Do you picking. get to hang out in the in the warehouse um, in Seattle very often? When I'm in Seattle, I mean, usually a couple times a year. Uh, I've I've very explicitly said to my boss, like, I want to go down for a week in the summer and just be in there and make stuff and things like that. And the thing is, is it's like it's like a really serious initiative. Um, within Microsoft and it's like it's amazing the amount of people that I've met um, who come in because the idea there is again we're we're providing you with a makerspace um, and you know come and make what you want you know and so when you come into the space like there's people using everything it doesn't matter like there's no judgment it's just like use whatever you want make whatever you want and some people the idea again is just like you know people are making stuff maybe that's always going to be good for the business right like it's always it's something's going to spur something an idea or something and it'll come back and so it's 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 like at that point you know working in a big corporation where i was like oh god you know this is a beast and then you find this area and you find these people that you connect with and you start making projects with them or you're helping them over email or whatever that's when i was like okay yeah, I can do this. You know, like it's pretty awesome. So as much time as but I you haven't got to me- spend a summer there yet. Well, no, but you know, there's a girl can dream. A girl can dream. <laughs> so we're we're opening. Actually, I just found out the other day we're opening another big one in Boston. So that'll at least be closer. Mm. Um, yeah, but they have everything like. 3D printers, CNC mills, like all across the board, like an embroidery machine, vinyl cutter. Like it's it's mm. like a mecca, you know. And yeah, it sounds great. You know, in New York, it's hard, right? I mean, we have a NYC resistor 
But outside of that for makerspaces, I mean, real estate's just so expensive. It's hard to have. Yeah. Mm, similar situation in Brighton. But yeah. Um, I mean, the hack space is kind of outside of central Brighton, which just makes it really hard to get to. Yeah. And I mean, they've got a few bits and pieces. We've got, they've got a decent laser cutter. Mm-hmm. We've even got a CNC mill, but I don't think it's really operational. But well, you know how hack spaces can be, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was on the board of trustees for a year or two mm-hmm. and was very frustrated about how effectively I could improve things. Yeah. <laughs> It's slow moving. Yeah. Really slow moving. Yeah. And so now I, I realise that um, I kind of just need it for the laser cutter. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. kind of all I need it for. Yeah. Which is terrible, really, because it's a great project and I really believe in it. Yeah. Um, but I just don't actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just a bit too messy and dirty. And I tried to help but I can you know I couldn't do anything you're only a trustee it's just you know it's too many there's too many people you're only one person yeah and they all need to be pulling in the same direction and it's how do you do that I don't know I still haven't figured it out yeah perhaps if listeners have any ideas on how to do that you can send me your suggestions that would be great (laughs) so so you mentioned um other stupid projects is there anything you can talk about yeah well I mean they're just like I said they're like one day projects so they're like nothing crazy but I'm I'm. Uh, I was looking at like the the new Gemma that they uh, mm. Adafruit has. So super tiny. Is there a new one? Well, I, it's new to me because it's like I think it's V right. two. So I don't think it's new new. But um, yeah. and so I'm. So it's a Gemma is like a, an Arduino that's a bit. It's round, isn't it? And it's for sewing. For sewing. Yeah. For wearable stuff. Yeah. So all of your kind of like GPIOs are uh, like little kind of uh, holes that you can sew, sew through. And use conductive mm. thread. And, and so uh, I'm building, um, and again, it's been built before, but I was just like, eh, I'm going to see if I can put my spin on it. I'm doing like a, a purse where you, when you cross over the zipper, you can kind of do a switch using uh, conductive mm. thread on the zipper. So when it crosses over the zipper, it's going to like light up your purse and there's going to be this big like, <laughs> oh, sound, you know, because I can do that with a piezo. I can actually make that sound. Yeah. And so like I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do this. So I sorted that out and I prototyped that. Now I got all that working and I was like, I can make a switch with conductive thread on a zipper. This is awesome. Oh, so, it's, so when you say when you say a purse, I think of like a little thing that you put your money in. But you're talking about a handbag. Well, yeah, like a ba- well, I mean, a bit, some, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the language barrier is sure. coming into play. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah. Right? Not a point. I'm, I'm almost fluent now. Yeah. In American, so. <laughs> well, you're talking about a handbag. See, so, I was thinking about a purse, a little one. Oh, a coin purse with your, yeah. with your coins in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I thought when you open when you unzip that then like moths could fly out right (laughs) that'd be pretty good (laughs) (laughs) or crickets or something i don't know (laughs) it just explodes yeah so i mean i'm building a couple things like that and i was trying to 3d print um like ram horns yesterday because um well because right now it's like uh ncaa basketball it's a big college basketball time right now and they're having like their final down to eight now going to four and one of the teams is the North Carolina Tar Heels and so one of their mascots like a ram has these crazy horns so I was trying to look at like could I just augment a baseball cap with the horns and just like you know hit um and scrape basically a web page all the time so anytime they scored it would just like light up something stupid you, you can imagine someone in a bar going yeah. crazy with that so I was trying to 3D yeah. print horns yesterday <laughs> 
that was fun. People are like, what are you doing? What is, what is this? And you're like, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. I wonder, you know, sometimes you think, no, I can 3D print this, but maybe I could just, I mean, maybe you could just go and find some horns, right? I, so Actual I did do that. horns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and the thing I've done, I've done that before, well, that sort of thing. Obviously, not with rams horns, but you know, <laughs> it's everyone. But I, I did the same thing where I was like, I'm gonna 3D print it because I can, not because I really should in this case, yeah. <laughs> like because I shouldn't, but I did. Yeah. So, but yeah, sometimes you have to do that just to learn, right? I made some power supply cases that were perfectly fitted towards a power supply, and uh, you know, and that was an exercise in cad really as much as anything yeah exactly that I, that's actually i'm going at noon today to go visit autodesk they yeah. have their crazy area on the pier pier nine that has all the um i think they do like artist residencies there i think like uh dr woohoo was there for a while um oh, man. yeah so I, I get to go visit that wow, later. that sounds great yeah i'm excited yeah Are you gonna you can have to do a live report I'm gonna try to. Podcast. I'm gonna try to record it. <laughs> to be honest, I'm gonna see if I can record it if they'll let me. Because I don't know. I'm like, woo! So excited. Like, mm. show me what you got. Yeah, you should totally do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should probably start wrapping it up. I guess you've got places to go. Are you flying home today? Yeah, later, four o'clock. All right. Sucks. That's cool. Um, have a good flight. Oh, there was something I meant to mention that regular contributor to the show, Valhead, and our friend. Her book publishers just closed down. Did you hear? No. Five Simple Steps. Oh, no. Have, have closed down. Oh, um, that's horrible. Yeah, kind of awkward situation. But the, that's the bad news. But the good news is that Val's giving her book away again. Oh, uh, yes. So if you go to valhead.com, you'll you'll see that. It's a book on animation with CSS, I think. I get confused because she's writing a new book. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, her stuff like uh, with animation CSS is like spot on. It's on point. Yeah. On it, it is on point. Yeah. Yep. So go get yourself a copy of that book absolutely free. But yeah, thanks so much, Stacey, for joining us once again. Always a pleasure. Please, you must do it again. Always. Soon. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, Twist my arm. I will <laughs> do. I will do for sure. Thanks a lot. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to the Creative Coding Podcast. Please consider supporting us on Patreon uh, at patreon.com forward slash creative coding or you can find out more about us at our website ccpod.co if you listen to us on itunes then please leave a review that's also incredibly helpful to us thanks for listening i gotta go because i gotta jump in the shower and get fresh get fresh get fresh